Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself. With 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 182 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Carrick, we just had an exciting talk. We have we did. pretty neat things on the horizon, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would. I'm, I'm incredibly excited. Oh, First yeah. time I've been excited in a long time, actually, which is awesome. sad. but going to be awesome. Just a little teaser to start this all off. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. For the latest episode of this podcast, if you want to support the show, head over to my Patreon or Carrick's. Uh, you can flick a buck if you do flick so. Buck. You can get early access to this podcast. You can also join the Discord, get involved in a lot of conversations. It's a very good time. Anyway, that's pretty much all the introduction stuff. Carrick, are you working on any um, upcoming content that you want to tease, or is it just coasting through into the new year and then we start the heavy review season? I am. I, I didn't realize there were a couple games coming out that I got on some lists for, but um, mostly it's like preparing, like you are for next year, preparing yeah. for some stuff on Twitch, um, doing shit like that. I I think I was gonna re- review below, but mm-hmm. that may not occur depending on how much I can continue to play it. Ooh. I'll explain that as we yeah. go. I was gonna review Ashen, but. Ashen, the way I want to review it is not possible, which I'll describe that as well. So, yeah, some shit sort of got held off, actually. Interesting. For me. Yeah, I I know that feeling. Uh, For me, though, I feel like my holdoffs were like, okay, I would have a review this month if I could do Nintendo content. And then there was their whole creator program. Now that's kind of opened up, and and that's no longer a roadblock. But then there's just going to be those months like in February, which we'll talk about, where just the floodgates are completely open. And, right. and there's just now we got to review a Nintendo game, too. So I feel you on that one. Um, as for me with upcoming content, I'm just currently chipping away at a lot of games. I've been enjoying my inner casual as of late, as I'll put it. I know casual is not the best term, but like I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty game battles. Um, I've been playing a ton of Star Wars Battlefront 2 because of some of the new updates that dropped for it. That is something that I I still stand by. I think what EA did was fucking awful, so don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. But I always said that that game was better than Battlefront 1, for sure. But I only got to level 19, I think, in that game, because I I dropped it in a heartbeat just because it was so bad. Uh, So now a year later, I'm hopping back into it, just seeing how things are going. The gameplay's still solid. They added like a Mm -hmm. mode called Hero Showdown, so me and my friend play like 2v2s. Uh, in the hero mode it's kind of like search and destroy from call of duty really fun um and i've just been enjoying that that's been a a fun time and i've also been playing because my friend was begging me he was like just try it just try it Matt. just try it so i downloaded star wars galaxy of heroes it's like a mobile game strategy based 
Um, it's all right. It's all right. You know, there's clearly a ton of paywalls there. It's not like a Fallout right. shelter where it's, where you can, you know, easily just keep playing and earning stuff by playing the game. And then you're like, okay, I feel obliged because I've enjoyed it so much. I'll flick a couple of bucks. Like, it's not like that with this game. But uh, it's more Star Wars. So that's kind of been what I've been playing alongside Smash. So with all those games I've been chipping away at, nothing's been, like, content-focused lately, which is, is kind of nice. It's, it's that time of the year to wind down. Um, you and I are, are going to play Ashen together at some time. I'd imagine within gonna, the next week. We're going to try. Yeah, we're going to try. And uh, I'd imagine once we get that going, that'll be some content. So that that's something to look forward to. But anyway, more importantly for the listener out there, we've got your news. And it starts off with Metro Exodus. So this is a game that kind of went off the radar for a decent amount of time. There was speculation because of a little freeze frame in the trailer that maybe the game was dropping in August. Uh, right. But then it found we all found out the release date was in February. This week we just found out that the release date was moved up a week to February 20... Uh, February 15th, sorry. I almost said February 2015. February 19th, twenty. Fuck me. I did it, actually. February 15th, 2019. 2019. There we go. Numbers. You know what's funny is because I got confused because I had my notebook open for when I write down timestamps for us. And then I had my notes originally open on my phone, which actually had, like, little blurbs of information that I needed. And so I was, like, trying to roll off the top of my head. did not work out. This is why I script a lot of my shit. Um, Anyway, uh, the game has also gone gold. And that's kind of what I wanted to start off this conversation with because it reminded me of... Kingdom Hearts 3, where that had gone gold many months ahead of its launch, and now we're seeing another game go gold very early. They move up the release date a week into a more competitive environment, which is a move I personally respect because I feel it shows confidence in the product. Uh, it's not like... I remember the Evil Within 1 was the last game that did this. You know, just move it up a week from its original release date. So I imagine this game is completely ready if they're advancing it too, not trying to buy time. Right. What do you what do you feel about this? It going gold early, the trend of that, where the game so might be at? The, I think the going gold early is the biggest deal to me because um, it indicates when you go gold that your QA is over. Mm-hmm. So my hope is we're going to play a game that's bug-free or as bug-free as any game is these days. Mm-hmm. That's actually <laughs> almost the most important thing to me is, is doing yeah. that. Moving it forward... I do think that they there's some kind of contingent of gamer that likes the Metro games that it doesn't it, it like they'll buy it regardless of what other game is coming out on the same day. Like you could have you could have like Dragon Age four, the Dragon Awesoming, you know, like the best game ever, and then Metro and Metro would still sell. You know, you could have Call of Duty, Metro would still sell. There's something about it. So I think it's cool that they moved it forward and it just comes out a little bit early for the rest of us. It's It does make it insane because it's just one more game in a fucking tight period of yeah. time. What else do we have there? We have Anthem is apparently coming out a week after that. I, I feel like that'll get delayed, though. We have Crackdown's February. Yeah, Crackdown. I think we have... Uh, oh, my God. I saw a list the other day. It was a list of like of these quality games, too. I think Resident Evil is in that month. Obviously, Kingdom Hearts is a couple of weeks before that, too. But I know that the 15th of February is a very cluttered day. I also feel like it's a move for them to say, okay, we're we're not on the day where people are deciding whether or not to spend their $60. We're the week after. So most folks will probably choose one of those games from that week 
And then the next week, if anyone's ready to pick something, it'll be Anthem. So why don't we add ourselves to that choice list and make it a little yeah. bit tougher on the consumer? I always say that, you know, a lot of these companies to be competitive, they try to force you to make a choice. And now they've added themselves into the mix where on that 15th, you know, if you're one of those gamers that's looking for their next game, because not everyone likes the JRPGs, not everyone likes Disney. So maybe there will be a lot of folks who do pass on that one. So it's not like anything crazy outside of, uh, I'd imagine, Resident Evil 2 Remake is coming out that might pique some curiosity. So Metro, add that to the list. And Anthem doesn't really go against Metro in the same way. Like third-person yeah. space shooter, uh, loot, loot explosive space shooter versus like a single-player experience like Metro. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty safe in moving it and not worrying. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good sign, though, that it went gold early. Because I, I shared this on the podcast, I believe, last week, was that this is a game I played at E3 and was very rough. unimpressed. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. It was clunky feeling, and it, it you want to talk about weighted controls are, as Carrick would say, you know, controlling like a, a bag full of bag vinegar, full so of dick, dicks or yeah. something like that. What is that? <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. What was it? What was it? I've said it multiple times, but one was a bag, yeah, a bag full of vinegar-soaked dicks. There we go. Yeah, and you think Red Dead is like bad. that, but the way that Metro controlled, it was like you had two cylinder blocks tied to your bag of vinegar soaked dicks on your feet it was fucking <laughs> insane um it, it just did not feel good it, it felt like it needed a lot of work mm-hmm. but on the other hand um how much does at that time i played it at june so a half a year later does that iron out all of those technical issues i had like ai not functioning properly um that i'm unsure of because maybe they because you know ai actually has never been a strong suit for metro I mean, Last Light in 2033, excellent games, awesome stories, really uh, great at building an atmosphere. But their weakest link to me was always the AI, where there was yeah. that, because it, it does the, the typical light and shadow stealth method. So if you're in the shadow, you can't be seen. And it takes it to such a literal aspect where if you are sitting in a shadow, but you're like, you're you're clearly visible. And, and the enemy's looking at right, right at you. They still can't see you because you are in said shadow right you know there's not levels of like lightness and darkness where they're where they go okay if the enemy is looking in this direction and it's on a six out of ten on the brightness bar that that they can see into that corner they don't they maybe just investigate versus if it's a three out of ten they'll see you pretty much right away did the gun i i don't remember if you answered this and i don't remember if i asked i apologize but did the guns feel like that was the recoil and all that kind of stuff did that at least feel good yeah yeah, the gunplay okay. has always been pretty underrated in Metro, I feel, because it almost carries itself like in its insurgency. You've played that, right? Okay. It, it oh, kind of yeah. reminds me of that, you know, where, where it's not a Call of Duty where you, you kind of snap in and aim. It's more so like you see, you feel them kind of bring up the gun, set it. When you shoot, there is a, like a, a pretty substantial kick to it. Exodus had that. I just played 2033 for, you know, about like half hour for a video just to get some footage and, and reacquaint myself with things. And yeah, man, it, it had that similar feel that I recalled back from E3. So that was definitely good news. But like I said, I, I just felt there was some weight to the character in, in a not good way, right? Because sometimes I feel weight transfers to reality where it feels like, okay, I am RTM. I am this human. I'm not you know, sprinting, having health regen, right, my resources right. are limited. I, you know, I probably can't outrun these creatures. There is a good reason why there is weight. I just feel there was so much that you, you literally felt like you were dragging something behind you the whole time you were gotcha. carrying your gun. So 
I, I hope within those six months they didn't iron out stuff like that because what, what I did enjoy was the, the environments were very open. Like I said, it was, it was very reminiscent of Stalker. So if anyone likes Stalker, you're going to – I'm pretty confident you're going to have Metro Exodus be up your alley and you'll likely end up loving the game because I'm, I'm fairly confident they'll nail the story. They've always nailed yeah. the stories in those games. Yeah. I feel like from 2033, which was solid, to Last Light, which really just upped things in, in every category – uh, 4A is just is, is super underrated, so I'm I'm pumped to see when this game drops. It's definitely like, you know, I think for all of us when we look at these very crowded days, we have those priority lists. And for me, I feel Metro is like my number one priority on the 15th, and then everything afterwards is kind of second. What would be your number one priority on on that day? It'll it'll probably be Metro just because um, I did not get to experience. I did last light, but I didn't do what was it. 2033 yeah was that yeah so and i like last light i didn't um i didn't absolutely love it but i've always liked the atmosphere of it and i remember there were particular scenes where i was like oh man this looks fucking amazing this place gets my imagination going Mm -hmm. the idea of this one where supposedly you're on a train i think and you you're you're going to it's not open world as much as it is massive open places location location at train stops yeah and so i like that idea um i'm always been a big lover of travel in games like mass effect i love traveling to different planets mm-hmm. there's something about the travel that like lights my fire instead of like loading loading yeah loading you know and i'm um, i'm okay with that i'm okay with that being a loading screen but i like the idea of oh i'm in a train i'm going to this place going to this place so that that excites me probably more than anything else it's not- something with with open world man it's not that it's bad by any means i always tell people this it's just there's this fatigue because there's so much of it that seeing a game like, pardon me, The Outer Worlds, now Metro, because I had forgot about the train part. Very good point. Uh, Kingdom Hearts. Games like that that are open area but aren't yeah. open world. That it, it gives a level of focus to each location and allows the developer to kind of have a vision for each one and, and flesh it out as much as possible instead of what I feel like what happens with open world games is there's so many good ideas but certain great ideas get watered down to average ones because there's so many dynamic elements in the world that they might not be able to accomplish things that they could in a more condensed space just because of everything that happens and there's so much data being processed it's just really tough to do i mean of course you'll have the the open worlds like a red dead redemption 2 which is insane to every extent and and there despite it being set in an era where it feels like nothing would happen it feels like every 10 seconds you're being stopped for something unique and organic but obviously those games are like a dime a dozen they they hardly happen so it's really nice to see games like metro and and the other ones i listed earlier in that vein make a comeback yeah it's something that i was happy to expect i was happy to hear outer worlds wasn't full open world that was sort of cool when when they were like okay you know don't expect it to be like this, but more like KOTOR 2, KOTOR mm-hmm. 1, Mass Effect. Those are the exact kind of games I like. One of the problems with open world for me is that if it's open world and I know I can travel to fucking Zimbabwe, then what happens is I end up usually traveling map point to map point, I'm like, like, or icon to icon. Right. But if it's a lo- giant location that I know I can sort of clear... I, I sort of can say I have 100%ed this location. Like I've looked at everything and then move on. I like that. There's a, there's a sense of accomplishment that I never get in open world games that I can get in those games. So to me, that actually excites me to like park the train, 
fucking do whatever you need to do in this big open area. But then know, once again, like you said, that fucking a horse from eight miles away isn't going to run over here, spook a bad guy. You know, like mm -hmm. where shit starts getting a little weird and you're like, yeah, this right. is because it's too dynamic. Um, sometimes, Far you know, Cry certain 5. games. It's the first one it, I think of. Yeah, Far Cry 5 was, dude, Far Cry 5 was just an anarchy generator. I mean, it was the weirdest shit. Like, and like when you jump in a truck, they immediately all knew where you were. Like every bad guy That's knew that you were in feeling. a truck. Oh, it was terrible. And so I feel like with this one, there's there, there can be some really cool stuff, especially I don't know if you can upgrade your bait, your train, but I think that would be cool if like, you know, what if you killed an animal and you get to fucking mount its head or something? I'm just thinking yeah. off the top, but I'm like, it, when you have a space that moves like that, it, it allows for customization that open world doesn't always work out so well. I feel like it allows for games to be more digestible, right? Or you can digest yeah. them easier, rather. Um, because not everyone has time for these huge open world games. I know some do, uh, but not everyone's into the 70-hour the completionist experience that a lot of these open world games encourage. Some of them have time for 20-hour adventures where you know each area... Uh, Carrick, I'll, I'll tail off your idea a little bit here. Let's say you could mount stuff on your wall that you go to one location, there's a special bear that if you take down, you can mount to the wall. And then the next right. location, there's a, a deer. And it feels like every area, you can kind of carve out some... It gives you a sense of accomplishment. How about that? Because, yeah. okay, today I finished area two. I'm going to go to bed now. Go home, or go to bed, go to work, come home, dinner. All right, I got you know two hours tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start area three instead of looking and saying, fuck, I got this whole humongous world that hits you with so much at once that it's very hard for some gamers to just want to tackle it. And that's why we yeah, see, yeah. Uh, if you check your trophy lists, you check your com <laughs> achievement completion list, you'll see so many people, yeah. complete Act 1, 90%. Complete Act 2, 65%. It's like, well, why yeah. the fuck did everyone stop? Because they, they probably loved it. They're just like, ah, fuck, I don't have time. Um, and obviously, even if you do have time, then this game caters more to you, right? Because... You can squeeze yeah. this in with something else. There's nothing bad yeah. about it being a more condensed quality over quantity focus. I feel like developers playing to their strengths uh, is smart. I always encourage innovation, you know, evolving, doing something new. But, you know, we brought up the Outer Worlds with Obsidian. Now we look at Metro. Games like that were... I don't know if those series necessarily would work as open world titles. And it's like, I, I like the idea of them sticking with a KOTOR 2 design, we'll say, and, and focusing on just planet to planet or area to area. I like it. Right. Yeah, me too. Smart. Yeah, I think I think overall it fits in with, uh, it allows some open world games to be out there. And you if you're attracted to those, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it offers something for everybody. I agree. Anyway, next on the list We've got Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider, two games I truly did not expect to be talking about in I can't December believe of 2018, right? It just yeah. came out of nowhere, and I it know did. it's it's hard for some folks to talk about Bethesda in a positive manner, but I think they did a good thing here. So for those who did not catch it, there has been a free update added to both Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider. It gets a black and white mode, so kind of like it has a Sin City look, so you'll still see like the red blood. It looks awesome. Then there's a Mission Plus mode, which also got added. So instead of New Game Plus, you can enter each missions with a full kitted out uh, Corvo or, oh, gotcha. or Emily. Is that her name? No, em I thought Emily was from Bioshock. Or is that? That's El Elizabeth? That's Elizabeth. Yeah, I don't remember what her, I don't remember what her name was. Oh, man. I'm going to hope it's Emily. 
I'll check okay. in a second because I'm on a roll here. Uh, but anyway, you can go back with all of your unlocks and explore and experiment with certain levels. I don't get that because there's a new game plus, so you kind of do the same thing. But I guess it's like, let's say you get to the end of your second playthrough. You have absolutely everything unlocked. You can go to the middle of the game and say, let me try this here. So right. that's allowed now. And they also added an Imperial Assassin Pack, which adds some extra bone charms, collectibles. Uh, apparently there's a letter in there. It's definitely an update I want to give a look. And Bethesda, for all the wrong they did with 76, I do give them kudos for games like a Dishonored 2. Uh, funny enough, all these are from Arcane. But uh, Dishonored 2, Death of the Outsider, and Prey, which just got its Typhon Hunter DLC, uh, the multiplayer expansion. You know, these are games that necessarily didn't perform super well, but even right. at this point now, we're seeing more content roll out for it. I really, really appreciate that kind of stuff. Because maybe it just seems like kind of a fun thing that they're doing. Not even, uh, hey, let's let's stoke the fires here. Let's get money rolling in with this. Let's get people buying it. It's more so just, hey, we have this kind of lying around. Here you go. And I, I like that approach, personally. Yeah, I think it's very cool to see those games being mentioned now. Because I'm going to tell you, I would never have expected... Maybe Death of the Outsider, I could have expected something because it was a little later, but mm-hmm. it was really interesting to see those being mentioned now. And a lot of people being able to get them now when they're patched up, because like my issue with uh, with Dishonored was more just buggy at the starting. And so that's, yeah. you know, a lot of those have been patched. And now a couple new modes, that might just cause somebody to look and go, ah, you know what, I'll go get it. That's the thing, is that I, I remember... When I made my review for for Dishonored two, a lot of you know a lot of people agreed, but a lot of people were also like, you know, what about the bugs, Maddie? What about the performance? And I played it on PC, all right. Like I saw the videos, I did not deny that the performance was bad in my review, but I I didn't have issues. That's the thing. It was really I got lucky. I'll say that much. But because of that, I think I just had a general more positive experience yeah. with it because. I know the launch was really messy for a lot of people, and a lot of folks were sorely disappointed because Arcane does do very good work, in my opinion. Um, Even Prey, which I had my gripes with, I feel really has put itself in a more positive light where I'm pretty glowing about it now because of um, the the Moon Crash DLC. Mm -hmm. I absolutely adored that thing, man. That was one of my favorite things of this year. But... um, yeah, dude, I, I, I really like this black and white mode, too. That's a cool little touch. That's the thing with Dishonored. We were just talking about games of uh, what would feel like something of the past, a relic of the past, rather, with these more focused areas and hubs. And yeah, this right. is another thing, is getting additional modes. So now Dishonored 2 has a black and white mode, a new game plus, a mission plus. Um, there was something else in Death of the Outsider that I found interesting. I think maybe it might have been... Or no, it was both Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider. Its difficulty customization was insane. Like, I thought that Tomb Raider had some really good difficulty customization, but what Dishonored does with all the options that are available to tweak your playthrough, it's in-fucking-credible. I hope we get that with every game. I know. One day I do, too, because I I think Tomb Raider was a nice step in the right direction. Like, okay, you might know how to get from point A to point B, leave your exploration the same... You might have played a lot of shooters in your day. All right, bump that up to hard. But puzzles may not be your strong suit. All right, bump that down to yeah. easy, and Laura will give you a couple more hints. There's additional audio there. I I can't stress enough how how awesome it is to have that choice during your experience, especially if you're reviewing a game and you're on a puzzle and you're like, fucking A, I'm stuck. <laughs> Dude, we, we talked about this because um, it was it was Resident, it was uh, Shadow 
where that fucking water wheel um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, puzzle. And I was just like, what the fuck? In the, you know, because some puzzles you just don't grab. And I also have friends where if they hit a puzzle like that, it's not going to take very long before they look at all the other offerings out there of games, free and otherwise, where they're just like, eh, I'll come back to it some other day or what right. have you. So the ability to adjust those is just massive. It, it adds so much to it. And I think every fucking game should have it. Like if you want to adjust, if you want to adjust, you know, how much health enemies have, if you want to adjust, you know, how, how many AI routines they have, you want to adjust puzzles and how they show up, you should be able to do that. And all it does is, I think, increase the chances of people enjoying the title. Hmm. I agree. And we're seeing kind of a trend with it because Nier also had some cool chips that allowed certain parts of the experience to be customized, to be a little easier for, for some out there. So we're seeing it become more and more of a thing, which is which is really good, uh, just based off what we said. Was there Would there be anything that you would add to said, uh, while we're on the conversation, said difficulty that might be good for, for new and veteran players? I would like most shooters to have a setting that doesn't allow you to reload unless you're out of bullets. Because <laughs> I even spam that. Like, I, I absolutely Same. do. If there's a game where I know there's a bunch of bad guys and I'm like, bang, bang, bang. If I know that there's a moment, and I've died because of this, I'll be like, fucking reload like I have ADD. I'll just bang, 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 reload, bang, 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 reload, bang, bang, bang. Mm. And... To me, um, games are already starting to do the audio cue where when you get to the last three bullets in a clip, it'll go like, chick, chick, chick. you have yeah, the three sounds. The, yeah, you'll, and you'll go, okay, I know I'm at the end. I would love for things like that much minutia. Now, I know that balancing that's a bitch, but I personally believe if you have a warning that's like, warning, this may negatively impact your gameplay or this may bring undesirable results i would rather have more options than less mm-hmm. i would adore that i would also love um the ability to turn off particular skills like um nom vision in mafia 3 the ability to fucking that's all i i don't even remember if it, i think it was called nom vision nam vision but you could as the main character you could see guys on the other side of walls and shit in that game right. you know like the predator i would like to be able to remove those if i wanted to or let's say i'm, I'm running around i'm like i'm just one one hitting everybody you know we've seen this in a lot of shooter games where it takes 18 bullets but only one knife stab right Right. so you find out oh i'll just take a couple shots stab this guy take a couple shots stab this guy take a couple i would like it if like you know you could figure out a way to have that do less damage or 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 somehow change that change those kind of uh situations it's cool and it looks amazing and that's why they're there but sometimes uh, some games I end up playing, I find myself enjoying less when I find out that my knife does way more damage than my shotgun. And that happens almost all the time. In almost every game I've played, that melee weapon, your standard weapon, never breaks, never runs out of fucking ammo, is the kill-all weapon in most games. Yeah. Chainsaw in Gears. Once you got up to somebody with a chainsaw, it was just like game over. You yeah. became invincible, right? So bullets, other bullets didn't even hurt you while you were doing it. Like, just that kind of shit. I'd love to be able to tweak those. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of difficulty in AI and stuff, um, one game that has some of the best AI I think I've ever seen is actually Smash Bros. Ultimate. I was really impressed. One? Yeah, the new, new one. one right? Yeah. It's 
they do things like edge guarding, back airs. I mean, there it's like you're, you know, it's the only fighting game I think I've ever played where it, as close as possible, represents another player. A player. Yeah. It's insane, especially when you look at one of the games that's on my game of the year list, like Dragon Ball Fighters, which has awful AI. You know, you've played the story, so you know. Yeah. And they just don't challenge you, even on the hardest difficulty. It's insane to see what Smash Bros. AI does to replicate an actual player. Not that it's perfect, but if if you're like me and you're trying to get better... You can just play the computer on a high difficulty and, and learn how to spot dodge at the right time, learn how to air dodge at the right time, one uh, to do grabs. The way they like will ground slam you and then like do an air combo. It's actually, it's a it's a very uh, humbling learning process that I've never received from the AI in a game, even like Injustice. Right? Um, I don't think the AI there is bad, but Smash Bros just does something that. To, that that replicates a real life player and it's amazing and it makes it for Dude. difficulty tweaking to be really fun like okay i'll play on six this time you know there will be some just computer standing still moments but for the most part they're going to be fighting me okay now i feel like i'm ready with this character i'm going to fight on nine and it's insane um unreal tournament i think i've told you this story but 1999 the first one they had a setting so it was multiplayer and single player and they had a setting uh, for the the bots and one of the settings was jumpiness and the reason why is because back then people would leap a lot because it meant headshots were harder mm-hmm. and so i was just hitting random and i was playing the game and this is the first online game i had been involved with and i somehow forgot that i wasn't online so i spent 12 hours playing because they also one-linered you they, they would talk bad to you if they killed you so i consistently thought i was playing real people Wow. I was that confused by it. Like I was like, bang, the guy was jumping. I was like, fucking this one guy, he knows what the fuck he's doing. He's <laughs> jumping around like it's fucking like I, and then I was like, oh, I'll jump. And then he was jumping, then they were doing like double shots and all this crazy shit. And it was like it was like 12 hours later my friends came over and we started playing it and I'm like, dude, these guys are good. And one of my friends who had the game was all, you're you're actually on highest level bot match. You're not actually playing people. You when you set the level up, you weren't telling the world i want high level people you were telling the game high level bots and he's like because they one-liner you and they talk bad to you and they know specific little movements they look real and i i fucking adore that the more real and like crazy the jumping thing eh, not so much now in this day and age but um the the more real the flanking because i'll notice that in games when i'm firing a lot i'll like those in movies they'll be like lay down suppressing fire you do it in a video game, and most of the time, the bad guys just sit there. And they let the fire go over, then they pop up. But in some games, if you lay down fire, you'll start to see, like, the AI run around a corner. And you're like, that dude's going to try to pincer me. Like, that's, that's exactly what he's doing is trying to flank me. I love that shit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a big deal to me. AI is huge. I agree. Uh, it's, it's gradually improving a ton. So that, that's definitely good news for those who are trying to get... Uh, more of an online experience, I guess you could say, through single-player games. So that's that's definitely good stuff. Anyway, moving on to our next topic, we've got some near Automata. So for those who are not aware, this is my favorite game of all... One of my favorite games of all time, rather. Um, 
they announced the Game of the Yorha edition, and I had to grab the press statement that came from Yoko Taro because it was just bonkers. So, he says... Oh, yeah, this is the numbers one? Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> Go for it. I'm going to read it just so that we can... This is amazing. ...try to break this down. Square Enix has asked me for a comment to mark the announcement of the Nier Automata Game of the Yorha edition. Now that you mention it, Nier Automata was first released on the 23rd of February 2017 in Japan, <laughs> uh, March 20, uh, 7th of March 2017 in America, and the 10th of March 2017 in Europe. I have noticed something bizarre and fascinating about these numbers. If you write down these dates in long form as 2017-0223, and 2017-0310, then add all three numbers together, you get... 6051084040. If you take that total, split the digits down the middle, making 6051 and 0840, then subtract the second number from the first, unbelievably you get 5211. That's right, a number completely devoid of all meaning, just like real life, isn't it? Over and out. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awesome. That's... It sounds like a joke I'd say in a review. Right. <laughs> like it's it's just like when I first read it, I was all, what the fuck? And then I tried to figure out the math because I, I ignored his devoid of all meaning. I saw that five, two. And then I started looking at that and going, the fuck does that mean? And then finally read the ending of it. I was just like, what the fuck? The problem is, though, Maddie, they didn't patch the PC version of the original. This mm, pisses me off sorry, just a little bit that they've got a game of the year edition and they haven't taken care of the original PC editions issues. And they're pretty big. So that's the only ha only issue I have with this game. Otherwise, game's fucking awesome. I don't know what game of the year is supposed to have. Do you? What's it supposed to have in it? That's the thing. The game hasn't had a ton of DLC. Right. So that's why so, when I saw it, I thought there was like a complete edition or something like that already, which came with the DLC. Let me see if there's anything out there on it near. What wouldn't it be awesome if they're like another storyline? I would. I would be very happy about that. Let's the see number here. of people who reviewed that game, I still remember people were playing it for like five hours and were like, it's already over. And you're all, oh my um, fucking God. Not, I, I know to put amazing, this person is, on is a the list. The fucking game actually tells you to. It's like, yeah, the yeah, game's it's, not no, it's over very yet. Clear. It's very clear. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. This version of the game comes with all previously released DLC as well as the base game. This includes the bunch of random number DLC. The four extra pod designs, Grimoire uh, Weiss pod, Retro Gray pod, Retro Red pod, and Cardboard pod, and a Machine Mask accessory. DLC didn't add any story content, however, so you're fine getting the standard edition today if you don't care about the extras. Um, I do remember Yoko Taro actually saying that Square Enix didn't allow him to do extra story DLC, but they wanted to see if the game would be successful first, I believe, and now they know it's mm. successful. So, um, I imagine this is just something to kind of pad it along, catch folks up for the inevitable announcement of some type of sequel, right? Or follow up rather, because this is the sequel to the original Nier. Um, says Xbox One's. Oh, that's what it was. Become as God's edition already includes the same content. So far, Nier Automata sales have topped 3.5 million copies shipped and sold digitally. So really, that's actually spectacular when you think yep. about it for a very how how niche that game is yeah that's ridiculously good it i was ridiculously good game so it, it is. deserves it it does deserve it just that's a game that 
screamed to me, all right, it's an amazing game. Uh, we're going to peg it as one of those games that just looks great, plays great, but does not sell well. Just because it's, yeah. it's very um, JRPG-ish, I guess, right? That just it, doesn't it, appeal dude, to everyone. It's, it's like being able to look up the skirt of 2B and get a trophy for oh. it and stuff like that. You know, just I feel like that's something that would just dissuade people. And aesthetically, um, you know, the, the wasteland isn't the prettiest at times. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that it used neg- negative spaces very well, but I could, you know, I know I, a lot of people are like, man, it's sort of ugly at times. But then you'd get into the fucking carnival level and oh. later some of the bosses. Bro. You get into the sand level, which some people I know reviewed the game hadn't even got to. And that's when, like, it nails it. And then, of course, the next stories, and you start going around and experiencing different things. And so, then a new game plus yeah. content is fucking insanely good yeah it's crazy that it's crazy i still though think it's crazy that they're doing a game of the year just overall just because like it doesn't feel like there's a lot there to say game of the year edition without some big announcement of what it like what it would be but yeah i i bought that dlc too so for me it was very strange when i played it i was like this isn't it's just like a little tournament thing yeah it's very weird. I didn't even get a chance to experience the DLC. It's not very good. It's, uh, and that's coming from someone who adores the base game. It's not very good. Like, the strength of the game is obviously its combat and story, but part of the fun of the combat is when they mid-battle humanize in some way these these androids and tie them to the overall story. And and this just doesn't do any of that. It just goes like, all right, go fight shit. In a weird way, I feel, even though I like Neo, and even though I like Dark Souls, and even though I've liked a lot of those games, mm-hmm. um, that the combat system in that game, I don't know how to describe it. It felt, it just looked so much cooler. I Because I love Neo, and I've, I was playing with Kira Sagama, so like the chain, which was such a unique weapon. Right. But, like I told you the last podcast, like the fight, before the big musical score and in, in the darkness and, and just like how everything works together and even how like her animations, like I remember the first time she ran and being like, so you'll see a lot of characters in games run and they look like they're not really touching the ground. Like you can, and in fact, sometimes in games you'll see where like they're clipping wrong right. and they're not really hitting the ground. But when you watch her, she looks just like, um, the female Terminator in Terminator 3, um, Loke, I think was her name, where she runs, but there's no, there's no like exertion other than the force into the ground. Like her run was awesome. Like it looked, everything about the way she moved looked like an android would move that was mimicking a human that wouldn't get tired no matter what. Mm-hmm. So you were able to just be like, and it, it, looked, it looked like she was like pounding into the ground. Everything was so great. I I just feel that, despite all that, there's not enough for a game of the year edition. Like it's I almost heard. like one of those. It's almost like they would put Mr. Maddie gave it a ten out of ten. So we're doing a game of the year edition, and we'll post yeah. Mr. Maddie's accolade on the bottom, right? Yeah, honestly, like, that's probably Mr. What Maddie it is. plays it's the accolade edition, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with some stamps. Yeah, I agree with the, the the running animation. I've always thought that Platinum Games is one of the best animation teams in the industry, just because if you look at in slow mo at some of the combat moves that you pull off like watching how effortlessly you'll swing a sword down attach it to your foot and then like your your character will kind of swing their foot up and over and the way they make it work and feel 
believable, even though it's so supernatural in terms of flexibility and and just how quick the motions happen. It's superb what they do. But what, when you say that their running is amazing, it reminds me that their legs move and their arms pump like anyone running. And it's a very believable animation, but they always have their backs perfectly straight. erect and straight. Like you said, yeah. it's kind of like they're, they're androids. You know, they, yeah, they're, the they're they... in, and I don't know if that was on purpose, but if they had done the thing, the four, that I, I think I would have not liked it as much. I mm-hmm. just don't know any of it. It was like that one little element that it was an android. It was right. the one, like, if something's that big and strong, certain things it needs to do would be different than another than a person's would be even the anatomy is just a tiny bit different and yeah fuck it's so good i just i loved going around that world because it was i mean you could get on animals but there was no vehicles right you were just fucking darting through everything in that all the time and it just felt once again like you were you were just this robot just fucking also one of the best fictional upgrade systems ever with the yeah. fucking cpu memory the right. amount of memory you have mm. oh man when that came up people don't realize a little bit of fiction goes a fucking long way for me I agree. and like yeah. when i first got the cpu upgrade and you you're like oh shit it takes ram and you mm. got to figure out how much ram and what you want to put in oh fuck i was just i was in love from yeah, that moment I, on. i agree because that was one of my biggest praises for the review of this game was how everything was designed to connect to mm-hmm. the story even the menus the main menu when you respawn the way you came out of a pod you were just your memory in another new body yeah things like that and that's why all your chips were on the ground and you got to go back to your body and, and pick them up again if you did that type of stuff man it just all built the world and made me buy into the the fiction completely here's the thing near three though um, I don't know what they would do with it. That's the thing I've been wondering because near one was nothing like near two. Fantasy, right. and then you jump to you jump to sci-fi, high sci-fi. So I'm wondering, like, if, if we do see the inevitable, if this is the inevitable bump in sales, so that you know they can push on to a third one. Like, what would they even do? Would they? Like, what story would they try to tell? And I'm sure it'd be crazy, because it's the way he does things. That's um, right. But I, I can honestly say I sort of would miss the androids. I would sort of miss the, the futuristic world. If, if they do a near three, I, I, I think... I, I just really liked... I really liked Automata. And I'm a little tentative to know what they would do with a sequel. I how think... Go about it. You know, without spoiling anything, I think thematically it would be about rebuilding... Oh, you do? I do. Yeah, I think. But 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 what? So you in that time frame? A little bit after, because I feel like a little bit after the whole story of Automata was about truth, uncovering right. who you are, self awareness, existentialism, and then the third one. Now you have all your answers. It's like okay, let's say we're continuing from there. Where do you go? I'd say okay, rebuilding yourself, making a name for yourself, okay. proving your humanity. That type of stuff, um, especially because of the way it ended. Um, there, I don't want to say too much, but it just—I feel like there's there's a reason they made that. We'll say that decision, right? I, I feel like because of that, they want to continue something, some type of theme. So, with that being said, I, that's that's where I, I personally would guess they'd go. How would they go about that? 
story-wise, it's hard to suggest. Mechanically, I could have some ideas, but once again, that gets into sto- sport, bleh, spoiler territory. Right. Uh, but you know That's what? Good. You know what? Instead That's of holding good. ourselves back a little bit, we'll just do a little spoiler warning right here. Uh, I'll write it down for the description, but for those of you who do plan on playing Nier Automata, skip ahead to the next timestamp, and um, I don't want to. I want to be responsible for ruining the game for you. So once again, if you plan on playing Nier Automata, do not listen any further because I'm going to talk about the ending. All right, I'm going to do a countdown. You better skip ahead. Three, two, one. All right. So at the end, you know that two B uh, and nine S are still alive. So my guess would be there, you know, if we're going to go with that rebuilding theme, we know Yorha was completely a lie. And they're like, you know, we're going to the moon or there's some, there's a base right. on the moon. We're helping humanity. We're fighting for that. What if they built that into a real cause? And the theme was like building. That's your what own I was Yorha. just wondering what yeah. you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's what that would be thinking. cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Like if they were like, OK, it was a lie, but now we're going to make it not a lie. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're going to and... make it a thing. With the way games try to go online nowadays, and I'm sure Square Enix is seeing all the money symbols pop up now, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if the game kind of went online. And because, uh, like, we saw, for example, the Ninja Turtle game was was online co-op, awful game, but it was online co-op. So I was thinking, imagine if as you built your own version of Yorha, your friends joined your Yorha, <laughs> and you could fight on missions together and actually like assign and, and pretty much rebuild humanity. Okay. Right? And like, and recruit those maybe go out on missions and you know how there's that, uh, that rebel base or resistance rather base. And, mm-hmm. um, it's just a, a base full of humans. It's like, imagine if you took that and, and grew as that. your main. And yeah, that would be cool. I, I think there's a, that, that would be the logical way to go. Um, but I'm sure there's people who have analyzed the story deeper than I have. Because um, right now it doesn't come to mind, like, if there's any remaining villain characters that might serve as an obstacle for someone that I just, just be a clear goal to take thinking down. That, I just keep thinking that director, uh, Tora, Tore, Tora. Yoko Taro, yeah. Taro. Um, I just keep thinking he's the type of developer to say it's not going to have any connection. Yeah, the, like, it's very well You know possible. what I mean? Like, just like, oh, it's called Near Ritomata, and it's like in a fucking fantasy upside-down planet world, and you're doing this and that. I, for some reason, I feel like it seems like he's one of those guys that wants to fuck around and do... Well, his goddamn answer right there for mm-hmm. the, the, the PR announcement. Um, it feels like it, it could be crazy. What would even be mo... Bro, is if... Three is announced, and those numbers mean something. Yeah, right? Like, like when I saw those numbers, like, I, I said I wouldn't be surprised if there was just a little Easter egg in the third one. Yeah, like, like what if there's a door you can't open, and you enter the certain numbers or whatever, and it's like, you know, you have some character you get to talk to, something like that. Yeah, man. I I mean, it's inevitably coming. It's just a matter of when. Came yeah, I would, I would assume so. In the beginning of 2017, so I'd imagine we... If we're going to get an announcement, it'll be sometime later next year for probably the a 2020 release. Or maybe it's their last release and they're trying to do it to hold over until the console cycle renews. Oh, right. So yeah. we'll see. They, that, that's one of yeah. Montreal. And this is actually, this is coming out in February as well. Jeez. I know, right? Crazy. 
Okay, uh, now uh, welcome back if you skipped ahead and didn't want to listen to any spoilers because we are moving on to Smash Brothers. So I got an interesting little blurb here from Forbes. We're talking about their sales because they're pretty bonkers. So Forbes goes on to say, if you remember Pokemon Let's Go shifted 661,240 units and that in turn boosted Switch sales during the same period to, to uh, 200,850 units. In comparison, the PS4 and PS4 Pro only sold 8,922 and 8,867 units, respectively. I don't think that's such a big surprise because the PS4 has only sold so much that how much more can it sell to right. the small amount of people who don't have it, really, when you look at gaming. Uh, but anyway, still, pretty big jump for Nintendo. And they say it's also worth putting... The Japanese sales of Switch in the context, as most weeks it sells about 50,000 units or thereabouts. So when Smash Bros. Ultimate, the figures have gone up a few notches. Specifically, Smash Bros. Ultimate has sold 1.2 million units since its Japanese launch, and the Switch has jumped to 281,222 sales in the same period. What a gigantic fucking leap. That's crazy. I, I think it's also not only returning to a Nintendo title, which all their Nintendo titles do well. I also think a lot of it has to do with the fact of just how much shit there is in that game. Because mm. when I was covering at E3 and they did the announcement, I think it was E3 that they did the announcement for that one. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember just sitting there the entire time, and I'm not a massive Smash Brothers fan at all. And I was just like, what the fuck? Because they just kept talking. Right? Like, half the time, somebody would be like, Master Chief Collection, coming soon. And they walk off. And these guys are all, we're going to show you about 800 billion things that are in this. And there's just stages, stages, and characters, yeah. and characters, and mixed characters, and now Persona. There's all this shit. And I think that gamers will reward that. They will just, at some point, there's a tipping point. Like Red Dead. There's so much that there's a tipping point where people are just like, I am for sure getting that. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and they got to it with that game. And it, it is definitely going to be their top seller. Yeah. That's my belief. I was stunned because a lot of folks were saying, oh, man, you know, investors aren't buying into the Switch. It's not going to sell that well this holiday. Last year was much better for them. And I'm just sitting here thinking, what the fuck? Like, it's, it's Smash Brothers. It's Smash Brothers, and yeah, granted, right. it's not the new-gen Pokemon, but it's a new Pokemon game on Switch, and you're trying to tell me that's not going to move systems, those two together? That's, right. I, I couldn't believe that people didn't buy into that. I, I'm personally not surprised, and I don't say that with confirmation bias or an ego. I'm just very shocked that there was some doubt that these games would not move hundreds of thousands of systems. Yeah. Because yeah. they are flagship IPs connected to Nintendo. It may be a Let's Go title connected to Pokemon Go, and it may not be the most competitive Smash Brothers, but it's still a roster. It's gigantic and really caters to single player. But holy fuck, man. I mean, these are... It's still Smash, and it's still Pokemon, right? It's it's insane. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I, I, I just... In that. People slept on it for whatever reason. Yeah. The people who think that it wasn't going to do one sort of just slept or didn't do their fucking homework and realized that, like, mm-hmm. it's their, it is their flagship title. If not... I mean, I guess Mario, Smash Brothers, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong hasn't had a real Donkey Kong in I don't know how long. Yeah, they just re-released Tropical Freeze. I think it was this right. year, and that was it. Yes, and, then and that new... was it. They did new what Super other Mario oh, Zelda, Brothers, of course. Yeah, Zelda. Um, 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, the thing is, is dude, if I, if I was talking to you and we were on the street and you were telling me about good Nintendo games, if you described to me Zelda and you described to me Smash Brothers, the, there wouldn't even be a comparison on which one I would probably want to get because like Smash Brothers is the epitome of there's something there pretty much for everybody. Where Zelda's yes. like Zelda. Zelda is pretty happy infecting itself with all the old stuff of Zelda and all this old mythology, all their old terms. It's pretty okay with that. Still made it more casual, but still okay with that. Smash Brothers is like, look at this amazing shit. Right. And continue looking because now we're going to show you another 20 minutes of amazing shit. And I also do believe, how many stages does that game have? Over 100, I think. That's the, d- dude. Every complaint I ever get about a fighting game, every single one, yeah. is why is it that DLC does not include new stages? Every time. That game, it, even in Injustice, people were like, oh, I love the multi-universe and all that shit, but they were the same stages just yeah. being adjusted. And the fact that there's so many stages, it means every single time you play, you could play 100 times and have a completely different stage. That is unheard of. Yep. Like, unheard of. That's what I was thinking, because... I'll, I'll be completely real. I am loving this game, but off the bat, I was a little confused because I, I had come off of Soul Calibur, which had the arcade create-your-own-player mode, and it had a similar archetype to World of Light. They they kind of based challenges in the levels off the mission you were doing, and I think it was called the mission mode, or the, was it Soul Libra? I'm not sure, but still, Soul Calibur had a similar thing, and no one really lost their mind over it. And then I went to Smash Brothers, and I'm like, this is kind of... Not the same, because Smash Brothers has a far larger amount of variety, but I was like, this is the same idea, so why are people losing their minds over one thing and not the other? I think part of it's nostalgia, not just for Smash Brothers, but also the spirits in the spirit mode, the way they tie them to the spirits attached to the characters. Really, really interesting stuff. Like, they take a Metal Gear, and then they make Greninja metal, and they give him, like, a color scheme to match that Metal Gear, and they put the music from Metal Gear in the background on the Metal Gear stage. And they give him, like, a rocket launcher as a weapon for starters. So he's supposed to mimic a Metal Gear in every way. It's very imagination-driven. It, 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 yeah. it requires the player to do a little buying in, but in a way where it's like, oh, that's creative. Like, I, I like how they did that. So that's where I think a lot of the love starts um, on the single-player end of thing or on the on the story end of things. But, yeah, like you said, you know, especially because there are, like, the the omega stages which are just flat they remove all the little barriers and stuff for Mm -hmm. you to jump on so there's not only a hundred plus stages but there's a hundred plus variations and there's hundreds of tracks i think of music i don't think i don't know hundreds but like tons of tracks of music each one representing each fighter or stage you're on like and the dlc all adds new music for exactly it's very it's a personality driven game and what's amazing is it's also a fun fighter and it, every character plays differently and has, like, their own toolkit that's fun to pick up and master, which is something I've, I've never had. Where usually, I'm not the best at Smash, but as I start to get better at a fighting game, I get to that point, that climax, and I just stop playing. But with Smash, because there's so many characters that are interesting to master, almost a little bit like Injustice, how I felt, I'll be honest, even though I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to be good at so many characters in that game because right. I, had, I had, like, right. an attachment to them, right? And I think Smash yeah. kind of builds itself off of that yeah it was i mean i honestly feel that that it was just there's so much like i I rarely get that stunned by an announcement but i was i remember and there's even video people like clipped my twitch where i'm just all 
what the fuck? Because I just kept going like, what the fuck? I don't even understand. I mean, and that's the thing is, um, I felt the same way of, of all things about Master Chief Collection, which is why I brought it up. Because same. I remember when that was announced, people were like, whoa, what the fuck? All the games in one, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, they're, you know, and that turned out terribly. But there was so much that you're just like, holy shit, that's such a deal. And I think when it comes to a Smash Brothers, let's say you like 10% of the stages. That is still an insanely higher number still of stages. Still more than most fighters. <laughs> than most fighters. And if you said, I like 10% of the fighters, if there's, only, if there's 100 fighters and there's 10 of them left, that's still 8 to 12 is what a lot of fighting games release with. Mm-hmm. That is insane, and that doesn't include the variations and the total change-ups. And to me, it's it it does come to this point to where um, fans will pay you back in kind. They will be like, oh, fuck, and they will tell people. Also, I know what you mean about Soul Calibur, even though I wasn't as big of a fan. I know, I know what you mean. Like, people weren't freaking out because it did some of the same stuff, which you were a little surprised, but I will say... I felt that Soul Calibur was was stale a lot of the times or dry. Yeah, because like nothing... they, they did the slippery stage, for example, and you're like, this is cool, and then it did it like five times in a row. Yeah, and, and you had the little novella that you read, right? But with Smash Brothers, it's like, boom, bitches, hundreds of shit, pick your guy, go. And, and instead, it's focused on what the player was doing versus this story mode and even in the arcade mode sometimes and you and i talked about this where you have this the clash mode Mm -hmm. um yeah you've got that and it's cool but also the tendency with soul caliber with the swords leaving huge arcs and stuff like that it can actually get a little visually like what the fuck like what is happening there's a lot of clashing and colors with smash brothers it's the same way but it's a 2d fighter and I think with that, it allows for a clarity that it just doesn't exist on 3D fighting games. I don't know why, but I can see, even with the small characters, I can sort of see what's occurring better than a lot of times with like a super amazing move in Soul Calibur, where you're like, and you flip them up in the air and you land on them in the air and you sword strike them. Looks cool one or two times, but after that, I get a little numb. And I've been watching Smash Brothers because I don't own it. And I've never once been numbed by what's going on. Instead, I'm just constantly like, what the fuck? You know, there's just Mm -hmm. so many people doing so many things and everybody's playing different characters every time they play. Like, how the fuck is that possible in a game today? Like, the resources needed. It's the Red Dead of fighting games. It's like where they're just like, we're throwing all our resources in there and you fuckers, when you leave, will not want another one for a long time or not feel like you deserve one for a long time. Absolutely, yeah. When you and especially because, like, I think with such a large roster, you know, if someone's gonna buy in just because they go, okay, there's seventy plus characters. There's got to be one out there I'm good with, right? One right. out there, and that's all folks need. Sometimes they just want to be good with one yep. character. That's why they call them mains. Uh, you know, right. you want to be good with one character. That's all it is. So that, yeah, like you said, dude, they all have like final smashes. They all have stages. Yeah. They all have music and the spirits. And then you got some of the special modes on the side, customizing your own me fighter. It's just like, holy fuck, okay. I feel like for me, I'm still unlocking characters. Like I still haven't even made a full on dent in this game. It's it's insane. Gotcha. I've been playing it a lot. It's crazy. Yeah. Um 
that's the only thing. So I don't know about the unlocking. The only thing I would say is one of my most hated things, unless it makes perfect sense, is locked characters. Interesting. So when you say you're unlocking characters, so my belief is this. If I play Soul Calibur, right, um, I hate unlocking weapons. I, I know this sounds weird. It sounds, it, sounds, it sounds counterintuitive. But I'm more of a virtual fighter fan where you get what you get moment one, right? And from that point on, it's about how you use what you get mm-hmm. from moment on, from moment one. Gotcha. So I'm a little bit different of a player. Um, when you unlock in Smash Brothers, though, how many do you start with? Eight. How many characters are there total? Like 70 plus. Fuck. How often do you unlock those guys? Uh, so I played the classic mode. That takes right. about 10 to 15 minutes for each run as you go okay. through like each character's kind of... I don't say story, but they're their own arcade. Ladder of, yeah. Right. And it's interesting how they do it. For example, when you play as like Ryu from Street Fighter, they only make them stamina battles. So that's like both sides have health bars that go down instead of like in Smash where, you know, the percentages just go up and then you just hit them off the stage. This one's all health bars. So it, it kind of tries to channel the, the Street Fighter music into the game or the Street Fighter McCann. DNA into the game as much as possible. It's interesting. Um, so they, they don't get too, too repetitive. But yeah, so pretty much like every ten to fifteen minutes, you're challenging a new fighter, and unlock hopefully and, unlocking something because the the challenger approaching battles were pretty hard. If you lose, mm-hmm. you have to you can go to a certain part of the menu that has a challenger approaching icon. You click on it, and then you can rechallenge that person. If you win, you can challenge another person. If there was an option to challenge another, um, because sometimes you'll like fail two challenger approaches in a row. So if you win that first one can do that second one that you fucked up on. But there's a timer to it, so every 10 minutes it unlocks again. So some folks have gone back and, like, closed the app out, reloaded it, and then tried again on a fight. Um, okay. And some people, I do it this way, just I'm like, the game's fun as fuck either way. Like, I have so many characters I'm, I want to play, and I'm not gunning for that just one character because I know how yeah, I am right. with fighters. I think I always, before the game comes out, I'm going to be good with him! And then the game comes out, and I'm I'm good with the complete opposite person. So I, I'm very non-picky when it comes to, to rosters when they drop. I like the idea of unlocking them. It brings me back to a day where fighters did do that often. That was the thing. Um, I don't personally take kindly to fighters that have everyone there day one. I get why they do it. I just think that it gives you a reason to play and learn the game over time through single player and engage in some of the modes, and it gives you unlocks, whereas a lot of fighters nowadays, it's like you get roster day one, that's fine, you know, right? Like, if I get why it's there. Uh, it may not be my favorite design choice, but I get why, and I understand why people like it. Um, but then you start seeing, like, characters locked off for DLC, and it's like, what happened to unlocking characters and doing challenges? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what this game kind of brings back, which... Uh, yes, there's still going to be DLC to pay for, but before that, I'm unlocking myself without exploiting, like some folks have done, 70 characters on my own, okay. just putting my work in, and, and I like that a lot. I get why folks don't like it, because some folks are buying it saying, I just want to play as Cloud from Final Fantasy, and that's it. I don't want anyone else in. Why, when the fuck am I going to unlock Cloud? I get it, right? Um, I don't argue that. It's just I feel like this was smart for them. You have so many characters, and I feel... If you open that menu and you, because I've seen my friend has all seventy plus. If you open that menu and you see all of them like right then and there, dude, it is so many icons. I'd be surprised if if you knew who was in the fucking game just looking at that screen right away. 
you just forget the whole roster looking at it be like whoa okay that's a lot of data to take in i think it's better it how they started it you know they the original eight and then just roll it out over time okay that makes sense just my opinion anyway next on the list we've got ashen and below character this is all you you wanted to give some impressions I'm going to be picking up Ashen soon. Like I said in the beginning of the show, we're going to be playing this together at some point in time. Below, I don't know a thing about. So let's hear from you, Mr. Reviewer. What do you think about both these titles? Uh, This is the most painful day of my life. (laughs) Uh, Ashen has a a huge number of problems. Mm. And um, so let's talk about multiplayer for a second. So... In multiplayer, you basically create your character in the game, and he looks a certain way, and you're able to play the game solo or with a, a, a computer character. If you want to play with a person, you can have it do multiplayer, and then that's random. Whoever's around you, it just connects you, or you can do a filter. So I would give you my number, Nintendo friend code kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You would be able to join. The first problem starts, the game has no tutorials whatsoever. So what you find out halfway through is that in the village, you can't spawn a friend. But the game makes all your friends look like your AI companion. So you won't know if you've spawned a friend unless you're talking to the friend on, like, Discord. And there's no voice chat. Voice chat's removed. So you have to use Discord or something else for voice chat. So there's imagine this, imagine this like, town... And you go out and you join up with your friend. You give them the code and you keep summoning them and boom, they show up and you're like, swing your sword so I know it's you. They swing your sword. Okay, we're playing together. Hmm. Unfortunately, the boundaries of the town aren't exactly the boundaries of the town. And there's a bad guy that's on a cliff near there. And when you go there, if you're at the edge and you swing your sword, your sword will go into town and you will disappear from the other person's game instantly. So we were fighting... Yeah, because it drops you instantly. Wow. So if you go into town, person's dropped instantly, and you have to resummon them and everything all over again. Hmm. So we were fighting this hard guy, and um, I was getting ready to heal, and Abzi was playing, and he swings, and I see him go like, he's got this big double-handed mace, and he's all, whoa, and it gets to about here, and he just goes, oh, and he just disappears. disappears. <laughs> and I'm there by myself, like eating a gourd, going like, Oh, fuck. You know, because I was expecting Abzi to take him while I was healing up. So I defeat him. It takes us another five, ten minutes to get him called back into the game. Even though he knows my filter, it doesn't happen automatically, nor does it happen. Is it uh, like Dark Souls where you use like summon signs or whatever? A little bit like that, but you you just you push a button and they come. Okay. Um, Then you go to doors. Now, doors can be opened one of two ways. One, you can buy a talisman, which is insanely expensive, which allows you to open doors that require two people with just one. So you can turn off your AI companion to play the game completely solo, but it costs a shit ton of money. Or you have the AI companion help you or a person. If it's a person, what we did was we opened the door. We put our hands in this fucking thing. The door opens up. We're like, yeah, we're going in our tunnel. We go in. He clips through the floor almost instantly. And dies. Hmm. Like, almost, in, he's walking, and he's, whoo, he just disappears. He's like, oh, dude, I fell through the floor. I'm falling underneath the level. Boom. He's dead. The door shuts, and now I can't get out, and he can't get in because he's alone. Hmm. So the only way for him to get in is to summon his AI friend to get back in the door. To get back in the door, to do that, 
he gets inside, but now that's an instance, and now he can't summon me into his, even if he turns off his AI companion. So I would say in 40 minutes, the first 40 minutes of playing, we disconnected 30 times. More than 30, probably. And, um, and, and this is rife. Like, this is something you see. And I posted about it on Twitter, and they literally responded to me in seconds. Their help group was like, we hear you're having problems. Because I was mad. I was like, this is legitimately frustrating. Um, going together is fun. Mm-hmm. But it's so janky at times. And because it is a Dark Souls-style game, there's a lot of death. Every time someone dies, they're immediately ejected from your game. Okay. So if you do almost every place you go, even if you're good... Uh, somebody will be throwing spears, another person will be casting a spell, and another person will be hitting you. It's very easy for one of you guys to get caught on something like a tree, get hit, die. You have two deaths. You have one death, and a person can resurrect you, and then your second death, you're gone. And you spawn all the way back at town, which means then you have to trudge all the way back to the fight, fighting all those guys in your game before mm. you get to my game area. And then you have to, you have to actually say, I'm, I'm at this tree. What tree? The tree next to the orange shrub. Well, where's the creek? Oh, it's to the right of me. Okay, I think we're in the same spot. Try to call me. You call him, nothing happens. You go, okay, fuck. Go go, go forward 10 feet. Try again. And it'll be like, boom, Very then it'll pop up. invite system. Yeah, and it, it just really became overly, overly frustrating. I believe this is going to be patched, Maddie. Like, I absolutely, there were so many people, there were reviewers who were still liking the game but complaining about it. I can absolutely see them saying, okay, we need to make it much more obvious. Additionally, because the NPC looks like your friend and your friend looks like the NPC, there's a lot of people complaining going, this fucking NPC is going nuts. He's running off. Well, that's not the NPC. That's actually a random player entering your game. And it doesn't tell you. Wow. So like Joe Bob, if you don't have a filter, will just enter your game and run off and do <laughs> his own thing. And then you can't be healed. Uh. Because he needs to be there for you to get that healing for your two lives. Hmm. So graphically, it also had some issues. I'm playing on the Xbox X uh, versus the PC. There were still some frame rate issues. Um, battle is very typical Dark Souls dodge. See, that's you know, amazing because the frame rate. Thing. Because don't they like have no face models at all? Yeah, it's- yeah, so they used a Guriard shading kind of thing, which is where everything's rough hewn, like Mount Rushmore. Yeah. You know, kind of thing, and everything's grayish. Um, what they did do, and it's a boon to them, is they did a lot of special effects. Unfortunately, uh. a lot of them are based uh, particulate, cloud, smoke, and those are a Z Alpha based, which is hard on video cards. And that's yeah, yeah. what you're noticing. So it looks good, but then you get this like smoky area. You know, and, and that's like when, when you you're like the smoke, it just gets choppy. Yeah, and yeah. you start going, and then it's choppy, and you're fighting a guy where, let's be honest, you don't want it to be choppy because they only have to hit you two or three times, you know, before you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not nearly as difficult as a Dark Souls, at least from what I've played. Like in Dark Souls three, I think it was the first guy you fight, maybe the second or third, is like a sort of a mini boss with a spear. And I remember one of my friends is like, dude, I fought him like six times. He was new to Dark Souls. He's like, I just keep getting almost one-shotted, I'm done. That doesn't happen in this as much. Um, but it's also insanely complicated in where you can go. It's uh, it's almost like imagine Dark Souls after playing 10 or 11 hours and getting all the shortcuts hmm. in to, back to your bonfire. 
right. and they're just they're everywhere and so you're like okay i need to go over here to do this but do i go up and over this way or do i go around and you'll go up and it'll be a flat wall kind of reminds me like, of dark siders 3 like there's some moments where it's actually very oh, well connected it's, it's connected in a well manner but yet there's other times where where there's platforming puzzles to get to that next um it wasn't a bonfire but where the the revenant guy pops up and, and tries to sell you things like it, it was it didn't feel it felt like it wasn't well thought out in, in certain aspects so it sounds like this game struggles from it in, in another angle yeah and and so that's exactly so i had the same complaint with dark souls where visually it wasn't the best at telling you like this is climbable or this is where you need to go or this blah 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 so um there's there's all that is it fun yeah but it is it's highly frustrating with all those problems and especially because the game does require two people for a lot of stuff opening the doors all that kind of thing traps um some enemies will grab you from the ceiling and instantly hammer you into the ground and if you don't i think you have to hit i can't remember there's a certain button but you have to hit it like pretty much before the first attack or you're dead okay. if you don't it's like it pounds pounds and it kills you but if a friend's there they can hit it Mm-hmm. So the game seems it, it's weird because they kept saying, "Oh, it, it can be played solo," and in many ways, I think it would be almost easier because there's less chaos that might occur. But at the same time, some of the enemies feel based on two-player, and your AI ain't the best. So if you do have AI, you turn multiplayer yeah. off, you turn your filter off, and you're just doing AI. He 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 can attack the 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 lower level guys but once two or three guys are in an area and somebody's throwing spears there's a good chance that dude's gonna drop like that that just seems to happen interesting you see i was just about to ask if you could actually get away with playing this by yourself you yes but i personally believe the best way to do that would be to buy that talisman that allows you to do everything with one person yes Hmm. you can you you could definitely play this by yourself Hmm. and I know a lot of people like it, um, and I'm I'm not even disliking it. It's more just almost like bugs for Far Cry Five, for example, where you didn't have many, and I did, and it affected my. Well, I did have like Far or, Cry. Sorry, no, yeah, yeah. it wasn't Far Cry. What was it? You said it earlier. Uh, oh, Dishonored Two. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the issue I'm dealing with right now is coming to grips with what I sort of expected because of talking to the developers so many times and what I'm getting. So I don't dislike it. It's just, it's just cumbersome. It's far more cumbersome than Dark Souls. I will say that when it right. comes to getting people in and keeping them in, that's the weird part. Is the instant disappearing, and how everything works is just it causes you to constantly be like, what are we? You know, how are we even supposed to really go about oh, yeah, anything? It makes you paranoid of trying to get settled in for a session. Yeah, yeah, and um, and really even feeling like it's gonna work. Plus, there were a couple disconnects that I don't think there was a reason. Because we were walking through the forest one time, and Abzi just disappeared. And I was like, where the fuck is he? And then my AI guy ran up over a hill, and he had, he had replaced Abzi. Um, wow. So that's Ashen. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. And I, and I would still like to play it multiplayer, but it would be something you and I would have to really be aware that the frustration level can be quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think somebody like you who's like me, who has played these games, played Darksiders, had the same problems with Darksiders that you're going to have here, then you add the multiplayer oddities, I, I could see you I could see you really not liking the game, to be honest. Interesting. Like, and you know that's hard for me to say, because I've played no, the game for a long time. And then below 
is hilarious. It's hilarious. I don't know any other way to describe oh, it. Dude, no. your character, I, I, I am not lying. He is this fucking big in the mm. game. And so there's no way to zoom in. And so, like, we were playing. We had three people in Discord streaming to each other their screens so we could tell, because it's a single-player game, but we all wanted to sort of experience the same thing. And in their video, they also were giving me their cameras. We're all like this. And, and like, there's traps that are these little tiny rocks. And if you hit them, instant death. Spikes come up out of the ground. And it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, no. So that one I liked musically, thought it was some of the best music I've heard all year. And, in fact, if we did soundtrack, you know, of the year, that could definitely be it. Right. Um, it is a rogue kind of game. So if you die, you start back again. It is also Dark Souls-ish in that you unlock hmm. seek, uh, shortcuts that go back. So that's cool. That. I thought it would be more like a, a journey or something. No, 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 no. Interesting. No. It's okay. def it's and and it's definitely it while it's not difficult to defeat most enemies, it is certainly easy to die on a trap. So there's like this this there's this weirdness Traps to it. Traps and you can barely see your character. That doesn't sound yeah. like a good combination and, at all. And here's the thing. The first enemies we saw, we only got to the level 4 of the dungeon. The the only enemies so far we have seen are squirrels and jewels with legs that would be the easiest way for me to describe it so jewels it's very with legs un... yeah they're like red rubies like a giant almost like a like did you ever suck on those candy rings when you were a kid oh yeah yeah get... that's exactly what they look like and you have to smash them and kill them and so um it, it's it's this odd game that i had a blast because i was playing with friends even though it was solo mm -hmm. i was playing with them and they were like, oh, this room has this. And you'd be all the other, way the other side looking for the same thing, like a key. And you'd be like, oh, thank God. Okay, you know where it is? So then you'd trudge all the way back. Um, enemies respawn when you die. All that kind of stuff. Fun. A lot of it's light-based. But there's some fucking awesome bits. So, for example, every enemy you kill, you gain a little bit of light. The mm -hmm. light can be used to light campfires on fire. If you have enough of them you can then make the campfire blue, which uh, is the respawn point from that point on, which is cool. So instead of the boat the, at the beach all the way at the end, you can start, you know, respawning inside the cave. But also the light can be dropped like M&Ms for a trail. So you'll go into a place and you'll be like, I want to go through that door, but I'm going to go through this door first. So you run over to this door and you drop a bit of, go of light and you, ha you have a number of them, you know, 50, 60 of them. So you're like, I'm drop this light here. So I know I haven't gone there. And then you go up because it's that confusing because the game is very cla like there's a lot of fog. Uh, the grass is as tall as your character a lot of times. So it's hard to see things. So a lot of it is obfuscated as you're playing. And so dropping this light helps a great deal to like track where you've been. Hmm. And in fact, one guy was playing it differently. He was playing it with us. He was playing it by dropping light everywhere he had gone. So so if he walks into a door, he'd drop light there, and then he would go in to each other door, and as he came back, he would then drop light there to say he had gone there. So you could play it either way. And you right. don't have to do that. I just really like that mechanic. Um, got one attack and a bow, and it probably has the worst bow aiming I've ever seen in my life. It uses wow. the right thumb to aim, and it's fucking 800 miles an hour. It's like, it, 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 imagine thumb, imagine like aim acceleration turned to 100. Oh boy. Like your reticle is just doing this the entire time. Um, 
There's a lot of oddities for it. I think for its price and its Game Pass, which means one buck right now, because I think Game Pass is on sale for one dollar. Jeez. Um, yeah, it's insane. Uh, I think that people should definitely try it. Uh, music's amazing graphically. The world looks really interesting. But I think that the the lack of being able to zoom in, I mean, everybody I've talked to is like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't see anything. And mm. I think that's going to be a big negative against it for gamers. I don't know if reviewers will feel that way, but I think gamers will. I think a lot of gamers are going to have issues with the view. Gotcha. So. Interesting. Well, that's action yep. and blow. That's yeah. all I've got written down for <clears throat> for topics. I think that's all we had. Uh, it, it pretty much is. I think we we only, yeah we kind of briefly teased our thing. We talked about the major news. We talked about games. Oh, in Borderlands February. Two PSVR. Oh boy! Did you know about that? Yeah, I had heard about that, but like it was kind of one of those. Uh, all right, it, it reminds me a lot of the Wii U or or the Vita. Like, okay, it's really late and it's here. Sure, yeah. come not? on. You need to get it. You need to get PSVR. Uh, I mean, eventually. I, I feel like PSVR will be like my entry for it, just because it seems like I know it's on PC too. But like Beat Saber, uh, Astrobot, Skyrim, apparently really good. Skyrim. I really, Astrobot. I just loved archery in, in Skyrim VR. But um, yeah, this could be kind of hey, added have, to the list. Um, what about EDF? Do you ever play those? They're some of my favorite games ever. Earth Defense Force. No, I haven't played those. Oh, dude. Because that because number four or number five came out, it's just so stupidly fun. Really, so fun. Yeah, it's it just up. it's just basically up to four people on the same screen or online B movie. So like you've got your guns. There's hundreds of soldiers on your team, and you're fighting. Like one second you're fighting massive nine hundred foot robots. The next it's UFOs. Then it's giant ants. Then it's giant spiders. And it's all about like it's almost like all B movie moments come mm. into a game and they're destroying the city around you and you have to basically fight them off you have a ton of classes and then hundreds of weapons like just hundreds wow. and you unlock them as you go through it huge games too i mean they're like you know hundreds of levels so wow very very cool and that's that that came out uh day before yesterday i think hmm. i'm gonna have to look into it that's so many surprise launches this month man i did not expect to be talking about t- so many new games leading right up to christmas yeah, it's it insane. Like it's and Game Pass, right? Ashen's on Game Pass for a dollar. So it's like Ashen yeah. and Below both. Like, what a fucking... What a steal. Like, what a cool deal. Yeah. So amazing. How long does that last? Just like one one month of Game Pass for a dollar? It lasts a long time, bro, because I'm pretty sure they keep dropping it to a dollar. Because I know I have people on my Discord who are like, I bought it for a dollar, canceled instantly, and found another deal at another store for a dollar. Did it again. Did it again. Like, I'm, I know people who the most they've paid is probably six dollars at, at the most pass for six bucks and yeah and like we we went and looked yesterday we spent a long time identifying what games like we wanted to play and stuff like that and there are a shit ton of games and then mm-hmm. if you had like ea access on top of that you know subscription services be damned and they suck but man game pass is something game else. changer like, yeah yeah for a dollar i mean you can play Ashen and Below for a dollar. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. On top of that's uh, any other Xbox exclusive uh, that's come out. So Forza... Exactly. Forza's in there. Yeah. And Forza's expansions today. Yes. Forza's uh, Tropical Jungle. Does that jungle. come with Game Pass? No, right? Um, DLC... Oh, that's actually probably correct. You're probably correct. Yeah. Yeah, it probably not. does. That wouldn't yeah, make much it sense. Does. Interesting. But 
does it make sense right now? <laughs> no. True. So it may happen. True. Who knows? True. Yeah, it's awesome. Anyway, we hope all of you enjoyed episode 182 of the Ham Radio Podcast. Be sure to let us know what you think in the comments down below. Thank you so much for supporting the show. So much love for you guys. And we will catch you all next week. Peace out.